thank you for coming and thank you for being here. And uh, it feels like I've been gone a long, long time. I don't know why it feels that way. I guess when you you miss a Sunday, you kind of feel like it's been a long time. You know, we didn't leave till about 11 o'clock Saturday afternoon, and we got back Monday night. Uh, it still feels like a long time. But, uh, but like I said, glad to be back, glad to be here with you. And uh, looking forward to our study tonight. If you would, take your Bibles and go ahead and open uh, towards the back of your Bible. We're going to be in the book of 1 John, chapter number 1. 1 John and chapter number 1. 1 John and chapter number 1. And uh, as you're turning there, uh, again, I just want to tell you, thank you for being here. Be praying about the soccer, different things. There's lots of things that you can do to be involved in that. If you're able to, let us know. Uh, we definitely would love to plug you in somewhere and uh, be a help uh, in different ways. Uh, we got some things we're trying to get knocked out before Saturday. Uh, we've ordered a net, a 15-foot tall, 75-foot wide net to go on top of the, the fence by the highway. So some of the teenagers are strong enough when they kick a ball, it can land in the highway. And we're trying to be safe there and put that there. So we're going to be putting that up Friday. And uh, if you can help out with that, let me know or let Brother Greg know. Uh, we'll let you know as soon as we get the net here. We ordered the net, and the net arrived, but it arrived at the wrong place. So they're sending us another one. We're supposed to get it Friday. So we look forward to that. We're going to take the front yard of the parsonage here like we normally do, make that into a parking lot, about 28 parking spots like we normally do. And then we've got to get some bleachers from Northside Baptist. If someone's got a trailer and wants to help out with that, we've got to get those over here. Uh, before Saturday, and then also we just got to line the field for the first time. So other than that, we don't have much going on at all for soccer uh, for that. And then also tomorrow at 12, I'm picking up 320 different T-shirts and making sure all God's children have the right thing. So if you would like to jump in anywhere, I'm just letting you know, I'll help. That's exactly right. I know Jeremy and Will are going to be very busy the next couple of days. No, but, uh, but if you'd like to help out with that, that would be great. It's just a lot of stuff goes into it, and I always appreciate the help, but just wanted to mention that. All right, well, we're going to look at 1 John tonight, and this is a book of the Bible that, if the Lord allows, I'd like for us to be in for the next uh, few Wednesday nights. Uh, 1 John is a uh, book, obviously, written by uh, the disciple John. Just to give you an idea, this is the same John, that is, you get the Gospel of John, uh, John the Beloved, the one that it said, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one whom Jesus looked at and said when he, when he was on the cross, he had his mother there, and he says, woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. Uh, he's the same one that uh, wrote the book of Revelation. And when you get to 1 John, uh, John is actually probably pushing about 90 years old. And he's already went through a lot of his life. And uh, he's writing this book to Christians, and he's writing in particular to the church at Ephesus. And so writing it to Ephesus, they have kind of left. If you remember several weeks ago, we talked about uh, in Revelation chapter 2, where the church at Ephesus, he said that they had left their first love. So you're still seeing a decline in this church in Ephesus. And he writes this letter to believers, and that's what this is for. A lot of times people read this thinking, well, it's to, to lost people. Well, technically the Bible's for everyone. It's the story of Christ. We understand that. But he's writing it to the mentality of some believers in a church that are kind of getting off the path. And so keep that in mind. But I like to read the, the whole first chapter, all ten verses here, and then we'll dive into it. But First uh, John uh, chapter number 1. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, 
which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. By the way, notice that the word word is capitalized there speaking of Christ. Verse 2, for the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was which, excuse me, which was with the Father and was manifest unto us, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Lord, I pray you would just help us as we look at your word this evening. Lord, I pray you would just settle my mind, my thoughts, Lord, that I might just say exactly what you have me to say, Lord, not what I desire to say. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins where I fail you even today. That there be nothing between my soul and you. And Lord, as we look at your word for the next few moments, that you would um, bless, be with us. May your presence be felt, Lord. Lord, speak through the word, which is Christ. Be with those in the different uh, services and meetings going on around the property. I pray, Lord, you bless those. Be with those. Thank you for everyone that's here tonight. Lord, I pray you might give them just an extra measure of your grace and blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. As I mentioned, this book is written by John, and it's written by John later in life. It's written by him. He's towards the end of his life. And uh, John, if you remember, is the one that Peter, after he denied Jesus three times, and Jesus says, uh, uh, Peter, do you love me? And if you remember that last chapter of the book of John, remember Peter even looks and says, Lord, what will this man do? And he was trying to, he always, Peter had an issue. Well, what's John going to do? What's John going to do? And, and God in his providence, for some reason, all the disciples were martyred. All of them were killed except for John. John's the only one that was not killed for the faith. He endured some tribulation. He was actually bold and old, alive. He was actually deserted and left on an island uh, to, to die there on an island, and that's where he wrote the book of Revelation, and also we have First John here. And I believe what he's trying to teach us here in the book of First John is kind of a mentality and if you, it, that we need to have as believers. You know, if I had to ask you tonight, your walk with Christ, and it's kind of like Brother Greg said in part of his prayer, your walk with Christ, if, if I asked you if your walk with Christ is exactly where you want it, would you say yes or no? Would you say my walk with Christ, where I am in my relationship and my journey in the Christian life, I am as close to Christ as I want to be. I have fellowship with Christ as I want to have. I have as much joy that I feel like I could want to have in my life. Is all that true? If the answer is no, then the question is, why don't you have it? Why don't I have it? And John gives some great things in here to kind of help us to understand all those things we want. Fellowship with Christ joy in Christ, uh, just a sweet communion and fellowship with Christ doesn't mean things are always going to be good. All those things are obtainable. All of them are accessible to us. But he goes in here, and I'd like to see verse number 5 and kind of launch off of that, where he says in this passage, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare to you, that God is light. 
Now, in reading that, we have to understand this. I believe John is basically, if you could say it in today's language, is this. If you don't believe right, then you won't behave right. If you don't believe what is correct, then you won't behave in a way that is correct. I heard someone say this one time. The part of the Bible you believe is the only part of the Bible that you obey. And, you know, sometimes when you read the Bible, well, I like that, I cling to that. But the part of the Bible that you like or the part of the Bible you believe is probably the only part you really obey. And John is addressing people that are believers, but they're walking in darkness. The rest of that verse says this. It says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, he says God is light. So when John says God is light, I think of this. I think about light, it makes me think of the glory of God, the holiness of God, the purity of God. It also makes me think about this part of it, is uh, when I wake up in the morning, and I'm one of the, normally the first person that's out of bed, and it's dark outside, and, uh, or we have these dark out shades, which I love. I, I got to sleep, I love sleeping in darkness. People say men love darkness rather than light. I do, I like sleeping in darkness, as dark as it can be. Some people like lights on, I can't stand it. But I know when I'll go and I'll open those uh, shades up and I'll start turning some lights on. You know what happens every time I turn a light on or pull back a shade with the sun shining? The darkness doesn't stay. Darkness and light cannot coexist. Light always chases away darkness. The only way darkness can come is if the light ceases to exist. And that, I believe, is kind of the crux, if you will, of this whole 1 John 1 is that John is saying that in your life, you're either going to be the light or have the light of Christ in your life, or you're going to have the darkness of the world. They two can't coexist. Now, you say, well, Brother Phil, I know because of the way the light hits, we have shadows and those different things. I understand. But I think if we would all agree that this room right here is pretty lit up, and it's lit up, why? Because we have light on. And also, if you think about this, if it's completely pitch black in here, and someone turned on a flashlight, all of your attention would go towards what? You would go towards that light. And as much as that light is strong and powerful and spreads, it illuminates. But the dimmer the light is, or non-existent is, that's where the darkness dominates in that. And, you know, when we think about it, we do serve God is light. And we think about God and His holiness and all those different things. And I guess what we're trying to look at here, where we look at this passage, especially in verse number 7, where he says, walking in the light. If we walk in the light. And you say, well, Brother Phil, what what has that got to do with anything talking about walking in the light? Well, I think we need to understand that we don't live a successful Christian life by just obeying a standard of rules. Because that's what the Pharisees did. Remember, the Pharisees had all these religious rules that they had to live, but they definitely weren't walking in the light of Christ. You know, just the term Pharisee sounds terrible. No one wants to be called a Pharisee. We don't live a successful Christian life, and understand when I say this, just because we go to church and just because we don't cuss and just because we say our prayers for our food, we don't, we don't live a successful Christian life just because we obey these standards of rules. We live a successful Christian life because we take God, who is light, and we determine by His grace we're going to walk in it. We're going to walk in that light. Uh, I'm not going to do it tonight, but I saw a great illustration about this. There was a guy that actually, what he did, he had a guy stand uh, right up front with a Bible. And he had a guy stand with a Bible. He had another guy that would stand kind of in the corner back there. And he says, all I want you to do is, is to walk to me. 
And what happened was that guy walked right to him. He walked around everything there, and he came right up, and his eyes was on the Bible the whole time. He said, great, now here's what I want you to do this time. I want you to go back to where you were, and now this time I want you to close your eyes and try to walk here. Well, the guy bumped into some of the pews. He bumped into some of it. You hear him go, oh, ow, hit, hit his shin, different things like that. He says, why can't you do it? He goes, because I can't see. You know why? Because he's trying to get somewhere, but he's doing it under his own power. He's not looking at the light. He wasn't looking at the word. He said, all right, this time I want you to keep your eyes open, but I want you to look the opposite direction the whole time. And again, the guy walked, and he kind of felt a little bit, but at the end of the day, he didn't know where to turn. He still messed up. I think a lot of times in our life spiritually, we're saved, we're on our way to heaven, but ask yourself, am I walking in the light of Christ? Is my life, my action, my walking, is it in a way that is pleasing to Christ? You know, we call ourselves Christians because it means little Christ or followers of Christ. And we're going to dive into 1 John here in a minute. But I think what we need to understand is I need to learn how to walk in the light. I need to understand what that means. When God says he's the light, I need to understand what that means and understand what it means to walk in light of Christ. There's a couple of things I want us to see tonight. Three things, actually. Talking about how do we walk... In the light. How do we walk in a way that pleases Christ? Okay? Number one, I want us to see this. Talking about walking in the light is this. It, it brings a lifestyle, if you will. Number one, we see it's a life of fellowship with Christ. If I'm walking in the light, then there is a life of fellowship with Christ. If I say I am close with Christ, I love the song, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. I love that song. I love singing it. And when you think about that, if you are walking in the light, then you have a life of fellowship with Christ. Look in verses 1 through 3 again. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. You say, what is that? Just some big greeting that we don't understand. No, what John is saying is this. You see the end of the part there says word. That's capital W. That's meaning Christ. John is telling this church at Ephesus, he says, I'm going to tell you the facts about Christ. He is God. He is God in the flesh. In fact, this church here at Ephesus struggled that Jesus was God. You know why? They struggled with it because they said, how can God come into human sinful flesh? They were really struggling with that. And John's telling them right off the bat, he says, we've seen him. We've heard him. We've actually touched him. And we've actually known and have fellowship with him. Verse 2 it says, For the life was manifest, and we have seen it, and we bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was the Father, and was manifest unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare unto you, why? That ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Okay? So if we walk in the light, we're going to have a type of life. That type of life is going to be fellowship with Christ. Now, if I say fellowship, what do you think of? Now, this is where you can talk to me if you like to. Fried chicken. Fried chicken. Yeah, all right. We think fellowship. We think food. We think fried chicken. I definitely think that's on the thing. Hey, we're going to have a fellowship. We're going to eat. We're going to have fried chicken. What else? Ma'am? Get together and talk. Get together and talk. Absolutely. We're going to talk together. We're going to eat together. Um, get together and gossip. <laughs> How can two walk together unless they're agreed? I guess we can agree in gossip sometimes too, yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, you get together and talk, you get together and gossip, but there's fellowship, right? This fellowship is you get together, you eat, you talk, you spend time together, right? You set apart time to be together. There's a difference between me saying, hey, how you doing, and you walking out the door tonight, and us sitting down for a while after church and having a conversation, or us running down to Chick-fil-A and sitting there while we eat and just talk. There's a difference in that, right? Why do we call it a fellowship hall? Why don't we call it the fried chicken hall? You know, that's probably, probably the better name we probably should do. Because we're like, this is a place where we're going to go eat, but this is a place where we're going to get together and fellowship. You know, but honestly, in this building is where fellowship has happened too. And fellowship with one another, absolutely. But fe- imagine this. We have great fellowship, I believe. I know we all have different personalities. We have great fellowship one with another, and I think it's very important. But let me ask you this. What about your fellowship, your individual fellowship with God? Do you feel like with God, your relationship's at a place where you fellowship with Him? I mean, you may not sit down and have a meal, so to speak. But like we talked about, we sit down and we talk. We share things on our hearts and minds. And sometimes we think praying is, and we're not going to talk about prayer tonight, but we think praying is these big lofty prayers and we've got to say everything just right. But I tell you, sometimes your prayer life is simply just fellowshipping and talking with God like you would talk to your spouse, you would talk to a friend, you would talk to a child, you would talk to somebody you love and that you're close to. And I want us to see some things about this to maybe be a help. If you're there in First John, flip over to a couple of books to Revelation chapter number 3. Revelation chapter number 3. And actually, I put down, I think I typed the wrong thing there for you. It's not Revelation 3, it's Revelation 20 on your sheet there, so I'm sorry for getting that wrong. So it's not Revelation 3.9. I was thinking, man, that's an interesting verse for this part. Revelation 3.20, it's like, yeah, synagogue of Satan. Okay, we're not talking about fellowship there. All right, some of you are like, I want to see what that means. All right, so Revelation 3.20. And by the way, he's Jesus is speaking this, but he's speaking actually to a church. Revelation 3.20. Revelation 3.20. I have Revelation 3.9. I'm sorry. It's Revelation 3.20. No, Revelation 3.20. I'm sorry. And the verse says this. And by the way, this is Christ speaking where he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And it's a verse you probably know. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Revelation 3.20. If you really read that verse and understand it, That means something. Jesus is speaking this of himself to a group of believers. And if you see what it's saying here, he's saying, I'm standing at the door. What does that mean? That means he's not already inside. That means he's on the outside of this church. This church is functioning. This church is having services. This church is doing all the things they normally do. But Jesus says, but I'm not in their midst. I'm not with them. They have me on the outside. In fact, it's to the point this. Not that they were shoving Christ out, but they weren't even knowing they were missing him. You know, every now and then in our house, we look around and say, where's one of the kids at? Where's, you know, where's one of them at? And we find, oh, where are they? Oh, they're outside. They're playing outside. And we're like, what? Call them in is what we want to do. And this church had gotten to the part where they were so in tradition, so into routine, that they didn't even know Jesus was not in their midst. And he tells them here some pretty interesting things. He says, I'm standing at the door, 
And I'm not just standing like this. He says, I'm knocking because I love you. I'm knocking. I want your attention. I want to get in is what he's saying. He says this part. Now, we see the part that says, I'll come in and sup with him. But there's a condition here. It's a condition for fellowship. If you want to fellowship individually with Christ, you have to be able to do the next two things that are in Revelation 3.20. It says, if any man hear my voice, you've got to be listening for God. And then it says, and open the door. You know what that means, I believe? It says, if you'll hear my voice and open the door. Have you ever read your Bible, or have you ever been to service, or have you ever just been in a situation in life where God spoke to you about something, and you heard it, but you did nothing about it? I mean, it's kind of like, okay, that's convicting, that's, or that's good, but I'm not going to do anything about it today. That means the same thing what it's saying here. He said, if you hear my voice, so you've got to be listening, but you also got to open it. It means you've got to receive it. You know, have you ever talked to somebody about their faith in Christ? Hey, if you just put your faith and trust in Christ, if you just accept Christ as your Savior, they hear you, but they ever, ever have someone tell you, well, I'm just not ready for that yet. You know what they're saying? I'm not ready for fellowship with Christ because I hear, but I'm not going to open the door. I'm not ready to open the door for that. And, and what we have to understand is that if we want the part, we all love the part where it says, Jesus says, I'll come in and I'll sup. It means supper. It means fellowship. And will he with me? It means we'll be together. And I think we all want that. But we don't get that unless we walk in the light. And the way we walk in the light is this idea of we have a life of fellowship with Christ, but I only have fellowship with Christ if I can hear him speak, if I'm listening for him to speak, and also, I open the door whenever he does speak to me about things. You know, I think like you're here tonight. You know, you're here. You want to be here. I'm glad you're here. You know, you want to be here. All this is really good. But let me ask you a question tonight. When you come to church, when you read your Bible, do you just come because that's what you do? Or do you ever take a moment and say, God, I want you to speak to me? I want to hear your voice for me, not for so-and-so or spouse or somebody else or whatever, but I want you to speak to me. This weekend, and I tell you, this is something, and this is all the glory of God in this. This weekend when I got the opportunity to preach on Sunday morning, during um, the end of the service, I had a lady come up to me, and she had been crying, and I thought, man, it wasn't that bad of a sermon, you know, but anyhow... And she came up to me and she said, I just want you to know that God used you today. And, of course, that's always encouraging. She said, but here, here's why I want you to tell that. She said that. She said, I want you to know I woke up this morning and I prayed for the first time ever going to church, God, speak to me today. Whatever it is, speak to me today. Don't let me leave without you speaking to me. And she said, God did that. And she says, I want to thank you for the word that God gave you to speak. And you know what I thought? I didn't have 17 people come up to me and say, man, high five that message right now. Let's put that on. Hey, But you know what? And by the way, I don't have to have approval by that lady speaking to me either, by the way. But it encouraged me because you know what I thought to myself? Here's somebody that says, I want to fellowship with Christ. I just don't want to play church. I just don't want to do church games. I don't want to just do my ritual like, 
you know, just going to the Moose Lodge or just going to play bingo or just going to do whatever it is. I want to, I want to really hear you speak. And to me, it was encouraging, but it was also convicting. Like, okay, God, how often do I go into a service? How often do I go into my, my routine and intently say, speak to me. Speak to me today. Speak to me in this. Why is it that we don't do that? Because we're busy. Because, let's just be honest, we're last second doing everything we're doing. We're cramming everything in life. You think about it, we're the most advanced in technology that we've ever been in our life. We have more conveniences today than anything ever in our life. So what do we do with all these conveniences? Cram more in there is what we try to do. I do the same thing. And not taking the time. And ask yourself, in your relationship with God, can you hear God speak? Do you want Him to speak? Do you ask Him to speak? And when he does, open the door. And opening the door may be in a way differently than what you're used to being. It may be God leading you to do something, not do something to help you with it. But anyways, I find it interesting that life, as far as fellowship with Christ. And there's several of the verses here, Ephesians 5.11. I tell you, a great part of fellowship with Christ, if you got some time, maybe tomorrow, if you, I don't know what you normally do for your devotions. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14, but it's got to end in chapter 7, verse 1. Verse 1 of chapter 7 is the end of that thought. And it talks about your fellowship with Christ. And it's really good. It's that part that says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It says, What fellowship have light with darkness? What fellowship have Christ with Belial? I mean, there's a lot of great things there if you slow down and read that. And I encourage you to do that with your life of fellowship with Christ. Number two, and we'll go to this. If I walk in the light, I have a life of fellowship with Christ, but I also have a life of joy in Christ. So I have a life of fellowship with Christ, but secondly, if I'm really walking in the light, a good testimony of that is that I have a life of joy in Christ. Now, verse number 4 there, 1 John, says this. It says, he tells them all these things about fellowship, and you get this really short verse, and John says, the reason I want you to have fellowship, and the reason I want you to understand who Jesus is, is because of this. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Let me ask you a question. Do you have joy tonight in your life? Do you have complete joy in your life? Full. Are you full of joy? You say, well, I'm full of problems right now, and I understand that. By the way, the presence of joy doesn't mean the absence of problems. You need to understand that. You can have joy and problems together. But if you had to talk about your life right now, is not there joy in your life, but are you full of joy? That your joy may be full. And he says that in there. And, and obviously this is under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? God wants me to live a life of complete joy. That means when I go home tonight, everything I do with my family before we go to bed, he wants me to do it. It doesn't mean everything's going to go great. But he wants me to do it in joy. When I get up tomorrow and we start our day, Lord willing, he wants me to have it in joy. When we run our soccer league out here, he wants me to be able to do it in joy. It doesn't mean I'm going to love everything. But am I doing it with complete joy? And I know we talk about joy and happiness. Here's the big thing with joy. Joy will carry you through things that happiness never will. Happiness has a shelf life. Happiness is like a gallon of milk. It's really good, but if you are not careful, it's going to expire and it's going to stink and it's going to turn sour. 
And joy is what lasts forever. And are you full of joy? I'm not saying you always walk around smiling. Sometimes we think, man, joy just means you walk around smiling like a village idiot. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean you're always smiling. But joy, you know what I think joy is the equivalent of? Joy and peace go hand in hand. If I have peace, I have joy. I don't have any joy. Guess what I don't have? I don't have any peace. Well, I'm not in shambles, but I just don't. I just got a bad feeling. I just got real nervous about this situation. But I got the joy of the Lord. No, you don't got the joy of the Lord. You don't have peace about the situation. You ain't got the joy of the Lord in the situation. But are you at? Do you, are you full of joy in your life? And looking at this passage, uh, I'm going to bounce back to the book of John, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter number 15. John 15. John 15. And this is, by the way, called the fruit-bearing chapter. Uh, this is where Jesus says that you abide in him, and the same bringeth forth much fruit. It goes on to uh, say, without me you can do nothing, and that's what we're going to look at here. But John 15, verse 5, Jesus says this. Jesus says in John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, or the trunk. Ye are the branches, or the parts that come off of it. He says this, he that abideth in me. And I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. So I've got to abide in Christ. Okay, skip down to verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified. Now that sounds pretty good. How do we glorify God the Father? That ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Okay, so I see that. Now skip down to verse number 11. What's the reason? By the way, I have in my Bible this. The reason for John 15, verses 1 through 10 is verse 11. Here's the reason why he wants me to abide in him and bear fruit. This is the whole reason. These things have I written, have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Don't miss a really cool thing about this verse that a lot of people miss. He says, these things have I spoken unto you, what? That Jesus says that my joy, the joy of Christ, might remain in you. And if Christ is saying, if my joy is in you, guess what your joy is going to be? It's going to be full all the time. And a lot of times, we are not joyful Christians because we're trying to do all of it. I'm trying to be a good parent. I'm trying to be a good husband. I'm trying to be a good father. I'm trying to be a good pastor. I'm trying to be, I'm trying, I'm trying. And you know, you just wear yourself out. But Jesus says, if you'll just abide in him, just trust him, have the peace of God, and in that, if I just abide in Christ in every situation, then his joy will remain and stay in me. And guess what my joy does? It stays full. It stays full all the time. It's kind of like this. All of us have joy in our life. Man, you go to a church service, you read your Bible, and whoo, you feel like you filled the tank up, right? That's why we joke on Wednesday nights. Come on Wednesday nights to help you get through the rest of the week. You know why? Because that's your joy. That's my joy. It's kind of like going, uh, driving back from Tampa. I just sit there and I'm watching the tank. You know, the gas tank's going down. And eventually the tank wears out. You know what i got to do? i got to stop and fill it back up. But Jesus is saying something really neat here. He says, but if you'll rely on my joy, my peace, my promises, you won't have to keep filling up, filling up, filling up, filling up. He says, if you just walk in the light, you'll have the fellowship, but you'll also have the joy that comes with that. And living in his joy, the joy of Christ is, is awesome. When you think about that. So we see uh, walking in the light is a life of joy with Christ. But it also is a life of joy in Christ. And thirdly, we need to understand that if I walk in the light, 
It is a life of truth. It is the life of truth of Christ. Okay? A life of truth of Christ. If I'm going to walk in the light, then I'm going to also have a light, excuse me, a life that's all about the truth. What is the truth? You ever have uh, kids talk about something and they tell you and they're like, oh, no, 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 that's not the truth. No, 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 that is the truth. That's not how it happened. And what happened is this, is more than likely one of those kids is telling you what they want you to hear and they're telling you the account, but they're not giving you all of the account. I have that happen quite, quite often when someone starts crying or something happens. Well, let me tell you what happened then. And they never say, you know what, I just want to let you know that so-and-so in our house hit me on the head. And I didn't do anything. Well, the other one says, well, let me tell you exactly why I hit him on the head. I hit him on the head because he came up and jerked that thing out of my hand. And both of them are telling the truth, but they're not walking in the truth. They're not being totally honest, totally up front. Back there in 1 John, in verse number 5, it's interesting if you look how many times the word truth comes into play. Look at verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Look at verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Okay? Now skip to verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Okay? Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word, which also means truth, is not in us. I don't know if you notice something. It says God is light. Okay? But do you notice a little passage, a little phrase here? Verse number 6, verse number 8, and verse number 10. What does it start off with? If we say. If we say. You know what that means? It's all talk. It's not really a lifestyle. It's all talk. And what John is saying, he's saying to this church, he's saying, if your whole Christian life is just talk and it's not actual actions, then you're deceiving yourself. There's no truth there. There's no truth. And he's saying, don't, he's basically going to quit talking and start living. Quit talking about the believer you are and the Christian you are and just start living the life. And instead of always talking about the Christianity that you are, the Christian that you are, excuse me, with that. And so being honest with God about yourself and your sin. And in the verses here, look what it says in verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him. So I want to say that I have fellowship with Christ, like we were talking about earlier. But I'm walking in darkness. I'm lying. And I don't do the truth. I'm lying to myself. I'm deceiving myself. So let me ask you, the way you lived your life today, the way you lived your life today, the only day you got today, right here, the way you lived your life, did you walk in the light of God and the glory and the presence of God today, or did you walk in darkness? Well, I didn't really, I'm not, I didn't do that bad. I definitely didn't wear my halo today, Phil. I didn't do that. Well, if you notice, he says you either walk in light or you walk in darkness. It's one or the other. There's no, like, I walk in shade. Okay. So he says, are you walking in the light? So today, when God looks at my life, he either sees me walking in the light or he sees me walking in darkness. It doesn't matter what I say. And that's what John's saying, verse 6, verse 8, and verse 10. You can say all you want, he says, but actions mean so much more than words. They mean so much more than that. And walking in the light. And as you see here in in verse number 7, and if there's a verse to really gravitate to, and I know where our time's gone, 
But the whole goal of what we're talking about tonight is what? Walking in the light of Christ, right? He says if we walk in the light of Christ, there's some interesting things here. If I'm walking in the light of Christ, I have God's presence in my life. You know what it says? As he is in the light. That means this. Can you honestly say the way you lived your life today that you felt God's presence or you felt close enough to God that, it, that you felt like you could talk to him like you talk to a neighbor or somebody that's sitting next to you in the car? If you're walking in the light, it says that you basically are living in the presence of God. That you feel like you can talk to God about those things going on. Not only do you you're in walking like you have the presence of God, he says, but also this part, we have fellowship one with another. Brother Duel, I thought that was really funny. You know what you said about, you know, hey, we get together fellowship means we gossip. And that is fellowship one with another. That's walking in darkness, but you know, <laughs> I agree. But he says if you walk in the light, and this other believer is walking in the light, we can fellowship together. Well, we don't like the same sports team. Oh, we don't like the same hobbies. Oh, we don't like... No, but we have something greater in common. We have our faith in Christ. We have in common. Well, I mean, sometimes I feel that way. I don't know what to say. I, I can't carry on a conversation. Well, it doesn't mean you've got to talk for an hour, but it does mean this. You can fellowship with another believer if you're wanting to walk in the light. You want to be the Christian God wants you to be. And they are desiring to please God. You have, if nothing else in your life, you have that common factor of who Christ is and that Christ saves you. And you can have that fellowship together. I tell you, sometimes I get together with my extended family that doesn't know the Lord. And I'll be honest with you, I don't have anything to talk about with them. I mean, I can only talk about how bad the balls are for so long. I can only talk about how the weather is for so long. You know, they'll look at me on the every now and then and they'll say, So how's life in Georgia? Church good? Yeah, it's going good. But that's as far as we get. There's no real fellowship there because we don't have the same direction that we're heading. I mean, that's as far as I know many of you, if not all of you, have unsaved family members or, or friends. It's like... Uh, what do we talk about? By the way, you can have saved family members and still have nothing to talk about because you're trying to walk in light and they're walking in darkness. You don't have any common ground to talk about. And that's what he's saying here. But if you do, you can have fellowship one with another. But I love this also part. If I walk in the light, and I'll close with this. Here's something I think is awesome. I know who I am. I know my sins. I know the real me. But if I'm walking in the light, even though I'm going to mess up, I can be right with God. And that to me is awesome. I can be right with God any moment of my life. And so can you. Look what it says. As he is in the light, we have fellowship, verse 7, one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. That sin includes my sin after I've committed as a believer. Well, Brother Phil, you don't sin after you get saved. Okay, you just committed one right there. You lied, okay? All right, so we all sin. But you know what's great? And i tell you what I think we take for granted. We take for granted the idea that we can be right with God at any moment in our life. No matter how far we are from God, no matter what happens in our life, I can, I'm in God's presence, I can have fellowship with one another, and I think it's awesome to understand the idea that His blood forgives me of all my sin. Now, Appreciate you listening tonight.
Before we go, I want to give you a question for you to think about tonight. And I know you're here, obviously, because you're like you're here. Do you desire to walk in the light? Do you actually have a desire in your life to walk in the light of Christ? You say, well, what's the big deal? The Bible says God is light. That means it's, do you have a desire to walk with God? Do you have that desire? Well, I'm here, right? That doesn't mean you have fellowship. doesn't mean you have joy. And it doesn't mean you're living the truth. But do you honestly have a desire in your life to walk with God? If the answer is no, John actually goes on and we'll look at next week. He says, if you have no desire to walk with God, I want to make your calling and election sure that you know the Lord is your Savior. But anyhow, appreciate you being here tonight. We'll stand together and we'll close in prayer.